Hello, and thanks so much for tuning into the Digging Deeper podcast with Pastor Ken Vance. This podcast is designed to go a step beyond the Sunday teaching with a more in-depth look at the topic Pastor Ken shared with us this past weekend. So whether you're on your way home from work or pouring yourself a fresh cup of coffee, we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. And now, here's Digging Deeper with Pastor Ken Vance. Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Ken, the senior pastor at Vertical Church, located in West Haven, Connecticut. And this is our weekly podcast, Digging Deeper with Pastor Ken. Thanks for taking the time to listen in. I'm really excited because this month we're going to be talking about the unseen world. You and I must recognize that there is both a seen world that we interact with daily, but there is also an unseen world. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, we know and understand that to believe the Bible, it requires us to have a supernatural worldview. Besides the Old Testament, just reading the New Testament alone requires us to totally have a supernatural worldview. Just think of the birth of Jesus alone. Before Jesus was conceived, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1 that a man named Zacharias, who was a priest, he and his wife Elizabeth had been married a long time. They were elderly and had never had children. And when Zacharias was carrying out his duties in the temple and burning incense in the holy place, that an angel of the Lord, the angel Gabriel, appeared to him and told him that he and his wife Elizabeth would conceive and bear a child, and they were to name him John. And he would be the forerunner to the coming of the Messiah. And then that same angel, the angel Gabriel, appeared to Mary six months later in the, in the town of Nazareth and says to her that she will conceive the Messiah in her womb, the promised one that Israel had been waiting for. And she asked the question, how can this be? Because I am yet a virgin. And he said that the child that would be conceived in her would be supernatural the Holy Spirit would cause this to come to pass because she would bear the Son of God. Jesus himself, his birth was supernatural. In fact, when Mary had to take the opportunity to explain that, because she had said to Gabriel, let it be to me according to your word. And the Holy Spirit caused Jesus to be consumed, to be conceived in her womb because Jesus was all human, but yet at the same time, he was divine. He was God manifested in human flesh. And so when Mary had the responsibility to tell her fiance, Joseph, because at this particular point, Mary was engaged. She was pledged to a man named Joseph, and now she's pregnant. And she has to tell Joseph that it's not another man, but it is the Holy Spirit that caused this to happen, that, she, that God had intended that she be the mother of the Messiah. Probably very difficult for Joseph to deal with. But God sent an angel to him in a dream and spoke to, to Joseph and told him that what Mary was telling him was true, that the child conceived in her womb was by the Holy Spirit, that he was the promised Messiah, and that he was to to go ahead and marry Mary, and that he was to name the child that she would bear Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. And then when Jesus was born, 
an angel appeared to shepherds that were abiding in the fields at night and said to them, I I bring you a message of great joy for unto you this day is born in the city of David, a child who is Christ the Lord. And so in essence, when that angel delivered the message to those shepherds, then a host of angels appeared that began to glorify God and praise God in loud voices, saying glory to God in the highest. You see, even Jesus' birth was entirely and totally supernatural. When Jesus entered ministry, he went to the River Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when he was baptized in water, when he came up out of the water, the Bible says that the heavens were opened and the Spirit of the living God came upon Jesus like a dove. And John the Baptist saw what he was told beforehand, that the one that the Spirit of God rested upon, he in truth was the Messiah. But then everybody heard a voice from heaven. God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son on whom I am well pleased. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil approached Jesus when he was weak and tired and tempted him three specific times to sin. But Jesus defeated him. Jesus resisted his influence. And then when Jesus was finished with the temptation of the devil, Matthew tells us that an angel of God came and strengthened Jesus. When Jesus went about his ministry, he constantly uh, confronted evil spirits that had created havoc in humanity, that many of them were responsible for sickness and disease and other human tragedies. And Jesus, the Bible says, cast out those spirits with his word. In fact, when Jesus came in Mark chapter 5, we're told that he came to the land of the Gadarenes and there was a man there that was possessed by demon spirits, evil spirits. And that prior to Jesus coming, no one was able to constrain him. He was put in fetters and chains and he would break them asunder. He was naked and, and, and slept in the tombs. Um, he was just so demonically possessed and, and oppressed. And, but yet when Jesus appeared, he came and ran to him and Jesus asked the spirit what his name was. And he said, we are, he said, my name is Legion for we are many. In other words, there were many evil spirits that had possessed this man. And then they, the spirits begged him not to cast them out, but to allow them to go into a herd of feeding pigs that were on the hillside there. And Jesus allowed it. And so when those spirits left, they went into the pigs and then the pigs violently rushed down the hillside into the water and were drowned. I mean, it's amazing. When you read the New Testament, there is some absolutely fascinating things that require a supernatural worldview to believe. Jesus had even taken his three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, up unto a mountain and the Bible tells us he was transfigured before them. In other words, his glory, the glory that was in him. Because, again, Jesus was God clothed in human flesh. But yet his glory radiated through him. That it was brighter than the sunlight. And the disciples were overwhelmed. And the, uh, the glory cloud of God overshadowed them. And they heard the voice of God the Father. See, there are so many powerful, supernatural activities that are just a part of when we read the New Testament. 
And it continued on when the Jesus movement began. After Jesus arose from the dead, in fact, all of Christianity is based on a supernatural fact, something that happened. God raised Jesus from the dead, although Jesus had been crucified and killed by the Roman government and laid in a tomb. Three days later, as he had spoken to them, he arose from the dead. And then Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples, he told them that he was going to send them the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of God came upon them, that they themselves would have power to be witnesses for him. And Jesus was taken back up into heaven. And the disciples saw angels that day who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus whom you've seen leave will come again. And then Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost arrives, and the 120 believers were in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind into that room and appeared upon each of them. And they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. The fulfillment of what Jesus had promised, the promise of the Father had come to them. And now, filled with the Spirit, they went out into the streets and preached the message of Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit manifested through their ministries. And the work in which they did, they did not in just human strength, but they did so in cooperation and in unity with the Spirit of the living God, who now came to abide with them. In fact, we see in the book of Acts the intervention and help of angels because in Acts chapter 5, when the Sanhedrin arrested the apostles and put them in prison, the angels of God came in the evening and opened the prison door and told them to go out into the temple courts and preach the message of Jesus. And again, the next morning when they went to take the, uh, the, the apostles out of prison, they were gone. And they, the word came back that these men that had been arrested were in the temple courts preaching about Jesus. And so we see even Peter himself, when he found himself in prison again, in Acts chapter 12, Herod had arrested James the apostle and killed him with the sword. And then he arrested Peter and he held Peter overnight in prison and was planning to execute him publicly the next day because he saw that these executions uh, uh, pleased the Jewish people. But an angel of God appeared to Peter in the prison that evening when Peter was surrounded by guards and chained uh, um, with fetters and chains, held that, that night for the next day to be put on trial and to be executed. But the angel woke up Peter and his chains fell off. And the angel led Peter out of the prison and the prison doors opened and Peter was able to return to the other disciples because God had sent his angel to help him. Angels in the book of Acts gave direction. The, uh, um, Philip had gone down into Samaria and preached Christ to them and saw great miracles happen. But then an angel of God spoke to Philip and said to him to go down to the way of Gaza it led him into this, in, to this divine encounter with an Ethiopian eunuch, and he led him to Christ. You see, angels were there. An angel gave Paul instructions. When Paul had been arrested and he was being taken to Rome, he had spoken to his uh, uh, commanders, the commanders of the Roman garrison that was transporting Paul to Rome. As they were about to sail, he told them not to take the voyage because it would be with trouble and difficulty. 
but they chose to ignore Paul's advice and they sailed anyway and they hit a great storm and it threatened their very lives. They were in that storm for weeks, but Paul came to him and said, an angel of God has appeared to me and he has given me instructions. And if we follow this advice, all of your lives will be spared. You will lose the ship and the cargo, but God has granted me all of your lives if you follow the instructions that I've been given. So we see the book of Acts is filled with it. In fact, the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, which gives hope to all of us because it is God's fulfillment that he will do everything that he's promised he would do. But we see that God uses his, in, his angels to, to execute um, these events that will transpire in days hence. And we also see that there is opposition, spiritual opposition from evil spirits against the plan and purpose of God. So again, it takes a supernatural worldview to believe the Bible. And that's why it's important that you and I understand that there is an unseen world. And why is that important? Because the unseen world seeks to influence our world. So let's dig into it. Let's talk a little bit more because it all begins with God. God is the creator of all. But Jesus, when he was speaking in, John, in John's gospel, it's recorded, a woman in Samaria in a, in a town called Sychar, Jesus encounters her at a well. And during his discussion with her, she asks a question and Jesus explains to her that God is spirit. And it's so important to understand that because much of the controversy in our day today is that people who are naturalists, people who think there's nothing more than the physical world that we see, always bring into question God because science is limited to the natural world and the natural laws that we live in. But the spiritual world created the natural world. God is the author of all that is seen and unseen. And God is spirit. So that's why he's above all those things. He transcends all physical law and all physical materiality. God's the creator of it all. And God created us for his, for his own purpose. But God's the one in creating the material world. He had a purpose in mind. But before God created the material world that we all encounter, the unseen world, the spiritual world came first. And in the spiritual world, there are spiritual beings God created. Although God is the creator of all, he created spiritual beings. And why did he create them? He created them that they in turn would uh, uh, glorify God. They were created by God and for God. In fact, Jesus is the one that created everything that is seen because it tells us in John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one and verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. In fact, Paul said it in this way, in, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things that can be seen 
and things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. In other words, all of creation was created for God. We were created to glorify God. In fact, the book of Revelation gives us this insight because spiritual beings understand this. And in Revelations 4, verse 6, it says, In front of the throne, there looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne, there were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. And the first living creature was like a lion. And the second was like an ox. And the third had the face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and he who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and lay their crowns before the throne and say, now listen to this, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. In other words, all spiritual beings were created by God. They were given the responsibility to glorify God. We have our being. We were created for the pleasure of God. I like how the, the, the uh, King James Bible says it, for they were created for your pleasure. In other words, all things that are in creation were created by God, and they were created for God. Spiritual beings understand that. In fact, the spiritual beings were there when God laid the foundations of the earth. Listen to this scripture in Job 38. God speaking to Job, because many times we speak out of ignorance. In fact, the entire book of Job requires a supernatural understanding because without it, you don't realize that the tragedies that occurred to Job were not by the hand of God, but they came through the hand of Satan. They came through evil operations and workings. And when Job's friends attempted to figure out what was going on by their natural human wisdom, they entirely missed the truth of God. And so when God confronts Job in Job 38, it says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Many times we speak words without really knowing what we're talking about. And that's part of the problem here when you talk about the unseen world. In our intellectual age, so many people dismiss it. So many people believe it is not so. But just because people believe it's not so doesn't mean it's not so. No, there is an unseen world and it seeks to influence the world that we live in, both for good and for evil. And that's why it's important that we know. So God confronts Job and says, who is it? That, that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. He said, brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And on what were its footings set? And who laid its cornerstone? When the, now notice this verse. When the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. 
What God says to Job right here was that the angels watched God uh, create the material world. And that's important to recognize because the spiritual beings came before there were natural beings, before the physical beings that we see in our world. Because in our world, when God created our world, he made plant. He made the 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 uh, plants that are there. He made the animals that are. But the typification of all of God's creation in the seen world is humankind, and humankind bears a unique distinction because man was made in the image and likeness of God. In other words, man was called to be an image bearer. Man was to rule on this earth, and in, in the power and love of God. Man was to rule in unity with God. And that's an important truth that we must understand because what the New Testament gives us a realization of is that God is love. And because God is love, God is not in the least selfish. God has chosen in his own sovereignty to uh, share rulership over creation. And so God created human beings to be rulers over the seen world. And it was the unseen world that came first. But what we discover in this is that God also has a divine counsel. He has an angelic force. The Bible calls God, one of his names is God is the Lord of hosts. In other words, he's the Lord of angel armies. There are other spiritual beings. There are other created beings and certain of them, um, have a uniqueness, have a distinction where God uses them as a counsel. Because the Bible tells us in Job 1 that one day when the sons of God appeared before God, Satan came along with them. And God asked Satan a question where he came from and where he was going. There's also a unique story in 2 Kings regarding uh, King Ahab. And the prophet that spoke told of a story because you see a picture into heaven that God asked his divine counsel, how will we bring down Ahab? Now, what we must understand, number one, is that God doesn't need others to help him rule. God is able and self-sufficient to rule on his own. But God has chosen in his being because he is love and love seeks to share. And God shared authority with other beings. And so God has a divine counsel that he consults with. And one of those angels had said, I have a plan that will bring down Ahab. And the Lord said, what is it? And he said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of the false prophets and entice Ahab to go into battle. And there he will be slain. And God said, go make it happen. So we see this story gives us an understanding that behind the scenes, the workings of God, God shares authority. And to understand humankind, that's why mankind was created. God's plan, which he's never reverted from. God's whole plan since the fall of humankind is to reestablish the plan of man ruling the world in the love and power of God, that man would, in unity with his creator, would oversee the seen with the help of the unseen. But what we see in the Bible was that there was a rebellion. Actually, there is a dual rebellion because there was a spiritual rebellion because there are many in God's creative order in spiritual beings 
that rebelled against the plan of God. We know this because Satan was the ringleader of it. He became the leader of over these one. The Revelations 12 tells us that one third of the angels of heaven followed Satan in his rebellion. And what was he rebelling against? Well, one of the things we know for sure is that he did not want human beings to be a part of God's plan to rule the world uh, under the authority of the Almighty. That mankind was called the son of God. In fact, spiritual beings are called that because they were created by God and for God. And when they are walking in the order in which God is, they are referred to as the sons of God, not as Jesus is the unique and one and only uh, 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 because he has no origin. He has no beginning of days and no end of years. Jesus doesn't have a beginning. But to the ones that were created to rule with God, the ones that were created to carry out the missions and plans of God, they're referred to as the sons of God. That's what mankind is referred to when, he, when he's in a right state with God. That when we uh, experience spiritual regeneration, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into our heart crying, Abba, Father, we become children of God. That's why John 1, 12 tells us that as many as received him to those he gives the right, the privilege and the power to become the children of God. But the spiritual rebellion, Satan deceived human beings. He got them to decide to choose to define good and evil on their own terms, represented by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That mankind had a choice. All spiritual beings have choices. They can choose to submit to and follow God or choose to rebel and go in their own way. And Satan was able to deceive human beings and mankind rebelled against God, chose to define good and evil on its own terms and seized the opportunity to do things apart from God. And what happened as the result of that? When God spoke in the midst of it, he told Satan when he pronounced the judgment of that day. In Genesis 3.15, the Bible tells us that God spoke this to Satan. He said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, what's fascinating in this cryptic prophecy, this promise of God, is that he said that the seed of a woman, which is interesting in itself because a woman doesn't have a seed. It's man that bears the seed. So he talks about a supernatural birth. But he talks about a human that would come, that would crush the head. In other words, it's an idiom that means to take back the authority that now Satan had obtained from humankind. But that he would also, the devil would, would render a lethal blow to this human because he would said you would strike his heel. In other words, there, but he said there's conflict. He would put enmity. And so mankind has been a, a, a party of this, this conflict between spiritual rebellion and the plan and purpose and will of God. And that's why there's no neutral ground. All of us are subject to these influences because, again, the unseen world is real. And why it matters to us is because it seeks to influence it for good or bad. And we need to learn as humankind how to cooperate. Why? Why is that so important? Because God gave dominion of the earth to humankind. Mankind rebelled, which is what gave Satan and his evil forces the invitation to be here and have a right to be in our world. What's fascinating is when Jesus was tempted of the devil 
in the wilderness. One of the temptations was Satan took him up onto a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said that he would give all of them over to Jesus because they were his to give if Jesus were to bow down and worship him. Now, that had to be true because it was a temptation. In other words, Satan has had control over the kingdoms of this world. The Bible gives us this realization. There's an insight scripturally that we need to understand is that there is a dual reality with the seen and the unseen and the way the kingdoms of the world operate. When the prophet Ezekiel was given the responsibility to prophesy in Ezekiel 28, God had told him to take up a lament against the prince of Tyre. And had a word for him. But later in the same uh, uh, time, in verse 11, it comes down that he says, then the Lord says to him, and now take up this limitation against the king of Tyre. And then we know from what Ezekiel says next that he's not talking about an earthly king. He's not talking about a human being. He's talking about a spiritual being. And he's talking actually about Lucifer, Satan and his origin and had access to the Garden of Eden. And so in essence, we see this because when Daniel the prophet was in the, was in the, the land of Babylon, Daniel had fasted and prayed for three full weeks, and the Lord sent him an answer. But something was happening during that period that Daniel was unaware of. And in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, when the, the uh, angel Gabriel appeared to him, he said, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. That's so encouraging. You need to know and understand that when we pray, God hears. But there are many times there are issues that God has to orchestrate and work through to bring his answers to pass in our lives. And that's an insight that we gain here from this scripture. He said, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. In other words, Gabriel was dispatched as the answer of God to Daniel's prayers. But look at what he says in verse 13, what he says next. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. In other words, Michael, he's speaking of as an angel. But here he talks about a spiritual conflict between evil spirits and angels of God. He said, but Michael, one of the chief princes have come to help me for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. In other words, what Daniel is unfolded to him is that the kingdoms of, of, of our world many times are controlled by demonic entities, evil wickedness that is behind the scenes, animating and orchestrating the things that are happening. When human beings cooperate with evil spirits, they cause evil to happen on the earth. And it's important for us to understand, again, God seeks cooperation with humankind because God can't do in our lives what he desires to do unless we allow him. Now, I know that seems to some people to be almost heresy. What do you mean God can't do for us unless we allow him? But we know this, that Jesus died for the whole world. But yet, who are the ones that benefit from it? The, the Bible is, it, it was told to us as followers of Christ that we are go out, to go out and preach the good news to all humankind. Why? Because whoever believes and receives 
benefits from it. Salvation is for all who believe and trust in Christ and Christ alone. God's not willing that any would perish. He desires that all would come to repentance. But human beings, because we have a free will, because we have our own choices, we must cooperate, we must submit to, we must allow God to do what God wants to do in our lives for him to be able to work in us. That's why even the Holy Spirit coming to the church It requires us as followers of Christ to learn how to cooperate and yield to the Spirit so that the Spirit can work in us and through us. The Holy Spirit is only limited by His uh, ability to have human cooperation because when we act under the inspiration, under the leadership and direction of the Holy Spirit, God has the ability to work in our world. God has the ability to heal, to restore, to do amazing things, but he requires human cooperation. He requires our obedience to do what he says do when he says do it. And when we act in said fashion, God's works are able to be accomplished on earth. But at the same time, That is exactly how evil spirits must work. They can only operate and work when human beings cooperate with them, when human beings allow themselves to be agents of darkness, to be agents of wickedness, that evil spirits work through the actions of humankind to bring about evil upon our earth. And that's so critical that we understand it. To be ignorant of it is to be foolish because just because we don't believe it It doesn't mean it's not so. God is a spirit and God created other spirits. And there is a spiritual rebellion. There is good and there is evil. And what we yield to influences and affects our lives. But it's important that you and I first and foremost understand our own identity. As human beings, this is something that many in our world don't know. But mankind is a three-part being. 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5 and verse 23 said, I pray God your whole spirit, your whole spirit, soul, and body be be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. What's important that we understand is that mankind is three parts. Man is a spirit who possesses a soul and lives in a body. And what it's important to recognize is that the seen and the unseen represent two worlds. There are only two worlds. There is a spirit world and there is a material seen world. And you and I have the ability to yield ourselves to spiritual influences that seek to affect the physical world that we live in. And the key to understanding all of that is our soul. Because our soul is how we contact either the the, the spirit world or the fleshly earthly world in its influences. Because the soul of mankind represents our mind, our will, and our emotions. See, mankind has the freedom to choose. And one area of humankind that is unique and distinct, what God gave humankind sovereignty over. God is sovereign over all things except one by choice. God is not sovereign over the choices of humankind. God gave man a free will. God will honor the choices of humankind, even if it means man's own destruction. Because God is love. He does not force his will upon his creation. God allows his creation to choose and bear the consequences of their choices. That's what it means to be a free moral agent. And mankind 
has the ability to either yield to evil, which is what we see in the Garden of Eden. When Satan came into the garden, he tempted humankind and man gave into that temptation and allowed evil to be uh, 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 enacted in his life. He, he committed a treasonous act. He went against the will of God. He defied what God said and went against God and chose to do his own thing. And then mankind bore the responsibility, the consequences of that action. We bore spiritual death. We were separated from God. We, were, we became uh, uh, um, more prone to the works of darkness and the forces of evil. And when you read the scriptures, what you discover is that mankind has a massive propensity to yield to evil and go in ways that are harmful and, and, and destructive. But God wants us to know and understand. And that's why Jesus came, because he came to set mankind free. We are given through Christ because of what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel provides the opportunity that we can be what the Bible calls born again. When Jesus was speaking to a man named Nicodemus in John's gospel, John chapter 3, he said to him, do not consider it strange that I say to you, you must be born again, because whatever is born of flesh is flesh, but whatever is born of spirit is spirit. There is a spiritual rebirth. In fact, Titus 3.5 tells us it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy, um, that he saves us with the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the living God comes inside of human beings to create a new beginning, a new creation takes place. When we put our faith in Christ, the Bible calls us, and it uses this expression in the New Testament, to be in Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. A spiritual rebirth takes place. We are born again. We are made again to be uh, agents of God, to be uh, uh, in unity with God. And we do so through Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand this because why? Because in Christ, we now have authority. And what many in the church world are ignorant of today is the authority of the believer. And that's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, praying this for, for followers of Christ. You see, you and I need to understand that this prayer is just as applicable to us today as it was to the people in Ephesus that he was praying it for. But he said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. See, we need to know the authority that we've been given in Christ. Why? Because that authority gives us the ability to thwart the works of darkness, to stop the forces of death and hell and all that the enemy would attempt to do on our, uh, on our earth. Now in Christ, we've been given authority. And he says this, he goes on to say, the power is the same as his mighty strength, which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above, listen to this, all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God places all things under his feet and has appointed him to be the head of over everything for the church. See, you and I are in the church. You or I are part of the body of Christ, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. 
And that's why Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 goes on to say, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus and ordered that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. See, what the enemy doesn't want us to know is that now in Christ Jesus, we have authority over principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and wicked spirits in heavenly places. Now in Christ Jesus, we are children of the living God. We have the authority. And that's why when Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, he said, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning now this is the thing that can get that 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 translations of the scripture can get a little bit wonky on because literally in greek it says i do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things so we've translated it today in english to be spiritual gifts but the discourse of first corinthians 12 is far more than about the gifts of the spirit there is the body, there's the mystery of the body of Christ revealed. There's so much that's discussed and understood, but you and I need to understand that we as followers of Christ do not need to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. Why? Because ignorance can rob us. Ignorance can keep us from fulfilling the purpose and plan of the Almighty. See, in Christ now we have authority. That's what Jesus told Peter. In, in Matthew 16, when Jesus came into Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples who he was, and when Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, flesh and blood hasn't shown you that, but my father has revealed that to you. And you are Peter. And upon this rock, that revelation of who Jesus is and what he would accomplish for us, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Why is this important for us? Because when we know who we are in Christ, when we know what the church was called by God to accomplish and do, again, in Matthew 18, he says it again, Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. If you take that scriptural literally, it says that heaven can only operate in the things that we operate in. We allow God's operation and authority to work when we fulfill the role that we've been called to play. Because as mankind called by Christ out of darkness and into the light, as it says in, in, in um, Colossians that we have been uh, uh, delivered out of the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son in whom we have redemption by his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. See, the church needs to recognize that we are the body of Christ. And that's why, again, I, I want to finish on this end talking today about this, that our soul is the key. Because there is a spiritual world and there is a natural world. And it is our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions that when our soul, the scripture teaches us, is renewed. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be renewed or be transformed by the renewing of your mind, I should say. The transformation of our lives has everything to do with us being able to recognize, understand, and know how spiritual things operate. Our minds need to be illuminated. 
our, our souls need to be renewed. We need to see things from God's point of view. We need to understand who we have become in Christ Jesus. We need to know the spiritual authority that we have, and we need to learn how to yield to the forces of good, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and the things of the kingdom of God that have been given to us in Christ. That's why the, the, the New Testament teaches this, that spiritual maturity this is found in Hebrews chapter 5. Spiritual maturity are those who eat solid food, those who are full age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, what he's saying, that when we know what God's word says and that we use it, We've eaten and consumed it, and we've exercised it. We walk in the truth of what Scripture teaches, the authority of who we are in Christ Jesus, to, to exercise that authority, that when we learn to exercise our senses, in other words, train our natural human forces, okay, our bodies, to know good and evil. Why? Because the enemy seeks to exploit. Um, next week, we're going to talk about that in, in great detail, how Satan attempts to operate through the lives of individuals. But for now, we need to understand that he attempts to use what the Bible calls our flesh, our fallen human nature, to exploit that. But when we reach a place of spiritual maturity, we control, we, we, we allow our flesh to be under the domination of our spirit. Our born-again human spirit, in cooperation and work with the Holy Spirit, dominates the way we live, dominates the way we act. It dominates the way we interact with our world around us, and God can operate through those ends. That's why it's important for us to know the unseen world. That's why it's important for us as followers of Christ to know the world around us is not all that we, that, that, not, that, that's not all there is. There is an unseen world. And it seeks to influence the seen world. And the more knowledgeable we become, the less ignorant we are of said things. We'll learn how to yield to the forces of God, to the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. And we'll learn how to stop the forces of evil, the forces of darkness that attempt to create havoc, uh, uh, pain, and misery in our world. That as the body of Christ, we've been empowered. We've been authorized by Jesus. We have been given authority. Jesus arose from the dead and said, all authority is given to me both in heaven and in earth. Now you go in my name. Jesus said that in his name, we would cast out devils, that in his name, we would lay hands upon the sick. You and I need to know that we have the forces of heaven at our disposal. The Bible even tells us regarding angels, which we'll talk about this month. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, that all angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation. He's talking about us, the followers of Christ. We inherited what we have through Christ. We are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we have authority. And it's important that as believers, we know the authority of who we are in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm going to end here for today. I'm excited. We're going to continue the conversation next week. We're going, to, we're going to expose how Satan operates. We're going to expose darkness and kind of give us a right view and understanding about not only how to dominate over darkness, but how we can stop the enemy from operating in our lives and in our world. So till next week, we'll see you then. 